Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you're about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title today, I think you'll find it interesting, is Anyone Up There Listening? You ever feel that way? We're going to be looking at Matthew 7, 9 to 11. Now last week we did Matthew 7, 7 to 8. Matthew 7, 7 to 8. And if you weren't here, get the tape, get the CD, go on the podcast. But we talked about ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. And the title for last week was Knocking on Heaven's Door. And our worship team did a great updated rendition from Matthew 7. But we also had talked about three steps in prayer to three promises from God. We talked about those three steps to three promises. And Barbara White came up afterward and shared some of her story from that verse. And I said, Barbara, you have to share it this week. So be careful. If you say anything to me, you, got, you never know. I'll be putting you on the spot. So Barbara, come on up. She's going to just share a little story about this verse, about applying what we talked about last week. So. Hi. Be very careful what you say to Chuck. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that I should probably start out saying that I was raised in a church and in a religious family that taught that you could earn your way or work your way into heaven. So as I was growing up, I made sure I did everything that the church said I was supposed to do because I wanted my ticket punched into heaven. Um, I was taught about God, and I was taught about Jesus, and I believed in them because that's what I was taught, and... um, that was what is, was expected of me to believe in. But um, I was very uncomfortable and very skeptical of anyone who would come into my presence and would give an outward expression of praise to God. For instance, if anyone had said a hallelujah or an amen, I was looking for the nearest exit to get out of your presence as quickly as possible. But when I turned 24, I was recently married to a second lieutenant in the Marine Corps. We were stationed at Quantico, Virginia, and we lived in an apartment building that was across, an apartment that was across the hall from another young second lieutenant and his wife, Tim and Kay. And while the guys were out doing their Marine Corps stuff, Kay and I became friends. And it wasn't very long before I realized there was something different about Kay. She would talk about God openly, but when she talked about him, she talked about him like he was her heavenly father. And that it was like she knew him personally, and that he knew her. I'd never seen anything like that before. She would talk to him on a daily basis about anything and everything. And if she didn't know what to do in a particular situation, she would go and talk to her father for wisdom and then wait to hear what his answer was. Wow. I didn't know how to handle all of that. And another thing Kay used to do was we would often talk about different church doctrines or spiritual issues. 
And Kay would always go get her well-worn Bible, which was always nearby. And she would open it and show me and gently tell me what God had to say. Well, I had always been taught that the Bible was the word of God. And I thought, wow, if this really is the word of God, why wouldn't I want to know what he said? So I decided that I was going to start reading the Bible, and I started with Matthew. And I remember on one particular afternoon, when I was sitting in my living room, I was reading chapter 7. And I was going down the verses, and I came to verse 7 that said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Wow. I stopped. My God was always up there, somewhere. Kay's God was here and alive and had an intimate relationship with her. I didn't understand it all. I didn't have all my questions answered, but I knew I wanted it. I wanted God to be my father. I wanted Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I wanted that intimate, personal relationship with God on a daily basis. And so I said, okay, God, I'm asking. I want to receive. I'm going to seek you until I find you. I'm knocking open the door. God answered immediately because this intense burning just came into my chest and then permeated throughout my whole body. It was so strong and powerful that it took my breath away and forced me back into the chair where I was sitting. I don't know why God chose to touch me in that special way that afternoon. I didn't know anything about a prayer of faith. I didn't know anything about being sealed by the Holy Spirit. I certainly didn't deserve it. And I wasn't looking for any kind of physical or emotional sign from God. I didn't understand it. Or I couldn't explain it. But God is full of compassion and mercy because I am convinced that at that moment, Jesus came into my heart and sealed me with his Holy Spirit, guaranteeing my inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And my life was forever changed in the Lord. Yes, there is someone up there who was definitely listening. Hallelujah and amen. (laughs) Thanks, Barb. And that's what Jesus is talking about. Ask, seek, knock, and any answers. He responds to us. And uh, I know many of us have stories like how, how God has responded. We also saw last week we looked at Luke 11 was a parallel passage, the context of this. 
We talked about the parable of the pers- being persistent in prayer and the power of that persistence. And in the bulletin, if you look in the bulletin, there, that quote is there. I put it in again. On the very back of the bulletin, we talked about the persistence and how God answers our persistence. If the request is wrong, God says no. If you are wrong, God says grow. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If the request is right and you are right and the timing is right, God says go. And how God answers. And I just think that's a great quote. Someone shared that with me and I held on to it. But today we're going to see, going off of Matthew 7, 7, 8 to verses 9 to 11, we're going to see that Jesus gives us hope and encouragement to keep on trusting and to keep on praying, to keep on knocking, seeking, asking, to keep on trusting and praying because if something is for our good and in his good purpose for our lives, it will happen. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for already the word of testimony. And now we pray as we look at your word that your spirit would speak to us. You know where each one of us is today, what we need, the next step of faith we need to take. We pray that your Holy Spirit, through your mercy and grace, would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, Matthew 7, verse 9 through 11. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So God's promise here, and this is what we're going to focus on, his promise is he will always answer our prayers for our ultimate good. That's the promise. He will always answer our prayers for his ultimate good. Jesus puts this in human terms. He uses a father-son relationship. And he starts off talking about the bread. If he asked for bread, who would give him a stone? And if you've ever been in Israel, I know a lot of people, Israel, people visited the Holy Lands. What, what is there a lot of there? Stones, right? And remember being on the Mount of the Sermon, where the, where the Sermon on the Mount was preached. It's right near the Sea of Galilee, which is really a lake. And as you know, by lakes, there's a lot of smooth stones. And a lot of these look like bread. They're bread-shaped stones. And so Jesus is using something that they could all relate to very well here. And he says, can you imagine a kid, you were out in the, you know, out there. Can you imagine a kid saying, Dad, I'm hungry. Would you give me something to eat? Uh, give me some bread to eat. And the dad hands him a stone and says, here, chew on this. Yeah. You know, Charlie Brown, I got a rock, right? You know, and uh, no, no, no father would do that. That's no way that nobody would do that. Or if he asked for a fish, would he give him a snake? Now, if you were here from when we did Luke 11, which was a parallel a while back on this, we talked about this, this illustration here, because in Luke, it's in Luke also. And I remember my first time fishing. So I remember the story. I was fishing. I, I wanted to go fishing. I was bugging my dad. I was about four years old. And we were in the barn and doing the chores. And I kept saying, Dad, I want to go fishing. I want to go fishing. There's a pond right behind the barn. I kept bugging him. Now you know where Emily gets it. So we, uh, I was, kept saying, I want to go fishing. He says, okay, I got the chores done. We'll go fishing. He took a stick. He tied a piece of baling twine, the twine that goes around a hay bale. Tied it to that. He took a horseshoe nail and tied it to that. You know where this is going, right? We're not going to catch anything. And, he, and, and it's already dark. It's just getting dark twilight. You could just 
see a little bit. He says, let's go down the pond, we'll go fishing. Now, he knew we weren't going to catch anything, but I was really excited, so he felt bad for me. So when I wasn't watching, he took a little frog and put it on the hook for me. And he said, you got something, you got something. I pull it up, and it was, I still remember it vividly. It was, it was dark, but there's, you just could see a little bit. And all I saw were these arms and legs sticking out off of this hook. You know, it was a frog, right? But it scared me. I threw it, ah, I screamed, and I ran, and he thought that was funny. He's laughing. Now, that's just a, that's a frog. Frogs are harmless. But Jesus says, picture this. We're at the Sea of Galilee. Look down there. See the Sea of Galilee. A dad is fishing with his son. They're pulling out the nets. And you know what? You pull up the nets, you have all these wiggling things in it. It's all exciting for kids. Have you ever done that before? You know, the kids always want to hold everything and see everything and touch everything. And let me hold it. Let me hold it. And I even do it at the creek now. When I go down with the kids, I pull up a net full of little minnows. And I want they all fight over who's going to hold the fish, who's going to get the... Some don't want to hold it. You want to pet it. They don't want to touch it. But, you know, hold it, but they'll pet it. So they all fight over it. You know, you held the last one. It becomes a big deal. Anyway, this kid wants to, Dad, can I hold one? Can I hold one? Dad says, okay, yeah, sure, I'll find one for you. And he reaches and picks out an eel or a water snake and hands it to the kid. You know, what what father would do that? No, that would be sick, right? That would be a, a sick thing to do. Now we come, but I want to also go back to Luke, over to Luke 11, to the parallel passage, because Jesus uses another story. Each different gospel writer uses different parts of what Jesus said to make a point, but I, I like what Luke brings out also. In Luke chapter 11, verses 11 and 12, where he says, I'll read the whole couple of verses here. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? Hmm. We'll give him a scorpion. Once again, in Israel, in the Middle East, they have uh, these scorpions that are white. It's white scorpions. And when they pull their arms and the legs, and uh, legs, I guess, legs, pull their legs in, they're round-shaped. They look just like a little egg sitting on the ground. Jesus says, picture this again. Here's the father and son out looking for eggs, hunting eggs for dinner. And all of a sudden, the dad bends over and says, well, is it an egg? Is it an egg? Yeah, sure it is, son. Here it is. And he hands him a scorpion. Now, that would be sadistic. Nobody would do that, right? So Jesus makes his points here, and then he says in verse 11, Matthew 7, verse 11, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So he compares the natural father with the heavenly father. He's using these three examples, and he uses the natural to the heavenly father. He says, now, if you then, though you are evil, evil, this is probably a good place to pause and to talk about this a little bit because today what do most philosophers teach man is good what do politicians say man is good we just have to have the right social system in place to bring out man's goodness what do even many pastors preach today turn on the tv you have good in you you just have to think positively and you will be healthy and wealthy and you're all we're all really good basically good Okay, that's what our culture teaches. We are inherently good. We just need the right environment. We just need the right education. We just need enough money. Everybody just have enough money, and everybody's going to turn out good. What does Jesus Christ, the Son of God, our Creator, say? You're evil. And he's talking to his disciples here. (laughs) The disciples and the people following him. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to us. He's talking to us. Where does evil come from? It comes from us. 
We turned away from God. It started with Adam and Eve. We turned away from God. We rebelled against God. And because of that, we have a disease. It's called sin. And the result is we are evil. You, you, people, in, you watch the news and these horrendous things have been happening in our country. Every day, something horrible. And the commentators always say, where did this come from? What went wrong? If only we... If only they hadn't had this upbringing, or if only we could take this away from them, or the opportunity to, you know, you, you know where I'm going, right? And then everything would be okay. We just got to do it. Well, listen, it's not going to solve a thing until it's solved here. Because here, we, apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit that Barbara talked about, without that, we are evil. Even with that, I, I got, I'm battling sin constantly. That's in us. That's what's in us. We're evil. Some of you might remember World War II. I don't remember it, but I've done a lot of reading about it. And after World War II, one of the main bad guys, one of the worst Nazis, was uh, Adolf Eichmann. And Eichmann came up with the final solution for the Jews. He was the one who was the architect behind the final solution, killed six million Jews, and many, many million other people, too. It wasn't just Jews. He killed millions of people with his whole system of, of concentration camps. Horrible, as evil as they get, right? He escapes after the war. He goes to Argentina. He's hiding out in Argentina. Finally, in 1960, they find this guy. They bring him back to Israel for the... Uh, for the trials, to, to try him and to give him his punishment, right? And during the trial in 1961, there was a guy named Yehiel Diner. He was a concentration camp survivor who they brought in to testify against Eichmann. Some of you may have seen documentaries on this. Some of you might remember this. They brought him in, and when he entered the courtroom, to take, the, he came up to the witness stand, and as he comes up to the witness stand, he stops and pauses in front of Adolf Eichmann, and he passes out, he faints, falls flat on his back. They come in, they revive him, they get him up, and, 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 and he ends up testifying and everything. But, but years later, Mike Wallace, some of you might remember Mike Wallace, did a documentary, did a, one of his specials on Eichmann and, and evil, and he interviewed this guy. And he, and he said to Diner, he said, what happened? Why did you faint? They showed a, he showed a clip of him fainting in the courtroom. He said, Why did, how did you faint? Why did you faint? What happened? Was it being in the presence of evil and, and, and fear and hatred that you sensed from this guy? Was it just remembering all the terrible things that you endured? And Diner says a very interesting thing. He said, no. What, what hit me was when I looked at Eichmann, I didn't see a monster. I saw a very ordinary man. He looked just like me. That's based, I'm paraphrasing, but then he says, I was afraid about myself. I saw that I am capable to do this. I am exactly like he. He said, Eichmann is in all of us. That's why he fainted. And that's the truth. The evil is in all of us. It's in all of us. And and, and that's the point that Jesus is making. That's why he came and died on the cross. That's why his Holy Spirit comes in and starts the transformation process, the sheepification process we talked about, right? That's why we need Jesus Christ because of that sin and what we have become.
It's like I Am Legend. You see the movie I Am Legend, all this, this, these zombies, you know, turning into crazy people. That, that's us. When we rebel against God, that's what we turn into. We need the blood, just like in I Am Legend, the blood that, that healed the people. We need the, the, the pure blood of Jesus Christ that, to heal us. So Jesus, come back to the part, he says, Though you are evil, you still know how to give good gifts to your children. And, and it's true, as messed up as we are, we still usually treat our kids very well. Even these Nazis, these Eichmanns, it was amazing. They would run these concentration camps and still loved their wife and their children and took good care of them and, and loved them, but they still want to kill. It, it's as, this, it, as evil as we are, we still treat our children well. In fact, we treat them too well. Usually we spoil them, right? But Jesus says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to us? He says, if we are evil and depraved, and we are, but we still give good gifts to our children, shouldn't we expect a lot more from God? Shouldn't we believe him for a lot better than that? Why would Jesus make this point? Why would he make this point in the middle of this passage on prayer? Because so many of us don't really trust God. We don't really trust God. Or we trust them until things start not going the way we want them to go, and then we stop trusting him. Nobody here, but you might know somebody like that, right? Maybe you don't trust God here because you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ yet. He's not your heavenly father. If he's not your heavenly father, then you don't know him that way, and you can't trust him. And maybe that's where you're at. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. In John 1.12 it says, John makes... John says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When we put our faith in Jesus, we become a child of God. Once we put our faith, just as Barbara was talking about, once we put our faith in Jesus, we put our faith in his life, what he did for us, how he died for us, how he rose from the dead for us. When we put our faith in him, God becomes our father. We become children of God. He becomes our father. Romans 8, 15, halfway through, it says this, But you received... Halfway through, but you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. When we say, God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me, to, for, so I could be forgiven for all the evil in my life, the sin in my life, everything that's caused me to rebel against you, and the mess I've made of my life. When we say, I put my faith in Jesus, I give my life to him. When we take that step of faith, I believe he died on that cross for me. We take that step of faith. When we do that, God becomes our father. Abba, father. The word Abba means daddy. He literally becomes our daddy. That's what Barbara was talking about, her friend, that she talked to God like so intimately because she knew him as her daddy. And we can go to him any time in prayer. That's what happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Luke eleven thirteen, the parallel passage, the next verse after 12, says, he goes into even more detail. He says in Luke eleven thirteen, he says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Not only give gifts, but even the Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God's Spirit, his actual Spirit, lives inside of us lives in us and begins to transform us from the outside, from the inside to the outside, transforms us. Have you ever asked God's Holy Spirit to come in and make you a brand new person? When the second you do that, just as Barb Shirt said, the second you do that, God becomes our daddy. And we learn, we have a new relationship, we learn to trust him. How about those who have already put their faith in Christ? Maybe you've already done that. 
do we trust our perfect father to give us good gifts? Because God will give us what is best for our lives. It might not be exactly what we ask for or what we think we want, (laughs) but someday we will look back in eternity and see how God answered a prayer that we prayed his way. We'll see how he answered a prayer somewhere in eternity. We're going to look back and say, God, thank you for the way that you answered that prayer. Thank you for what you did because what you did was best. You did the best for me. And I know I'm going to shock you, but that's the important thing is to pray for the best. Most of us do not, including me, we often do not pray for God's best for our lives. Did you know that? We often don't pray for God's best for other people's lives. We often don't pray for for best for our kids. We pray prayers for our kids, but it's not God's best. I'll give you a proof of it. James 1, 2-4. We talked about that last week. In James 1, 2-4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What matures us and completes us? Trials and testings. When was the last time you said, God, I feel like I'm stuck spiritually. I think I'm asking you to give me adversity. I'm asking you to give me trials and testings in my life. (laughs) See? When was the last time you said, God, I feel like my children, they have character defects. And I just think you need to send something into their life to challenge them. When was the last time you got that prayer list from church and you said, God, oh, I see these people are going through this, X, Y, and Z. Please, you know, let them keep going through it till you, till, till they're, till you're done with them. No, what do we pray for? God, please protect my kids. Keep them safe. God, please help me to have X, Y, and Z and, uh, you know, uh, Help, help us all to be healthy and have, what, help, have money. And what do we really pray for? We pray for comfort. Don't we? That's why I pray for most of the time. God constantly has to, wait, 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 where are you going with this? What do we pray for? Comfort. What kills spirituality? Comfort. I'm not saying we don't need some peaceful times. God knows when we have to catch our breath. We run a hard lap. God says, okay, now take a break. Catch your breath. Let the muscles rebuild. Now here we go again. But it's, it's God knows what's best. Will we trust God even when our lives seem like a mess instead of God's best? Will we, will we trust him? And, and what happens when it's not going smooth and we're not comfortable? We find ourselves doubting, right? Does God really care? Is he even there? You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? We're going through a hard time. Does he care? That's what we really start. And that's what Jesus is trying to assure us there. That he cares. Does he care? Or is he even there? Have you ever prayed for something or someone and it gets worse? And then what do we do? 
I'm afraid. I'm gonna stop praying. I'm afraid to pray anymore. I'm afraid. I'm gonna stop praying. I prayed for fish, and you gave me a snake. Right? We stop praying, or, or even worse, we get mad at God. Nobody here ever, but you might know someone like that. We get mad at God. That's not what I prayed for. I rubbed the I rubbed the magic genie lamp, and I didn't get my wish. Right? And that's not what I prayed for. I asked for bread and you gave me a stone. I, this job that looked so good that I was, thought I would get and, and it looked great and the door closes? What's that, God? Or I pray for salvation for my kid and he gets arrested? What's that all about? Or I pray for my husband to become spiritual and, and, and life falls apart for him? I remember someone, and it's not from this church, so you know, it's someone from a past church. I'm not even going to say what state it was in. But... So you don't think it's anybody here. But I remember a woman saying to me, I'm going to pray my husband's just not grown spiritually and he's not leading our family. I'm going to pray for revival for him and my family. I'm going to pray for revival. I said, be careful. He said, no, I'm praying for revival. And God exposed a terrible thing in her husband. Horrible. It was shocking. It was there all along, but she prayed for it. And you know what happened? He became very spiritual because of that. It opened the door for him to become spiritual. Now, it wasn't what she was expecting or hoping how God worked, but God doesn't work the way we expect. Because God knows what's best. He knows what's best. We pray for holiness and purity. God, help me become more holy, more holy. And we pray for that, and all of a sudden we find out that we're worse than we've ever been in some area of our life. You ever experienced that? God, I just want to be holy in this area, and we're worse than ever. You know what? Probably we're not worse than ever. He just made us very sensitive to what we're really like. But also, he lets us, if we really want to be holy, he lets us struggle for a while so that we become dependent on his grace. So we become when we're dependent on his grace, we can really start to find holiness in our life instead of spiritual pride or something else. We become dependent. See, God, God has this whole different thing. And it, 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 it's when we go through these kind of things, and you can add to those lists many times over, can't we? It's then that we really need to trust God and to keep on praying. Because God is answering. He knows exactly what it will take and what is best. He's the master surgeon. He knows exactly how to operate on each one of us to achieve his goal, his spiritual goals, how to mature us and complete us so that we won't lack anything. He knows exactly what it takes. And this is important. He loves us. He loves us. And if we ask for bread, he's not going to give us a stone. He's not going to give us a snake. He's not going to hand us a scorpion. We have to trust his love on this. Because the real issue isn't that he's not answering us. The real issue is that it's not answering us the way we want him to answer or when, it, when we want him to answer, right? That's really the issue. It's trusting his love. It all comes down to faith and trusting his love and believing in his plan What? Whatever it is, no matter what's going on, we can have that peace no matter what we are facing. I asked Guy Allen to share a story today also. He's not here. 
but he made a video clip of a very interesting thing that just happened, recently happened, and that I think illustrates this perfectly what I'm trying to talk about with prayer and trusting God and, and letting him work. And uh, I'm just going to play the clip, and if you want to hear the skin, it'll be on the podcast and all that. But let's let Guy just share a little closing story for us. Good morning, New Hope community. My name's Guy, for those of you who don't know me. And Chuck has asked me to relate a little story that happened to me. <clears throat> Back uh, just after Hurricane Sandy came through, uh, I was scheduled to be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, for uh, a series of meetings that began at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday, the Sunday directly after Sandy. And uh, typical of my M.O., I tried to stuff 30 hours into a 24-hour day and missed my flight on Saturday. So when I got home from the airport, Ann said to me, she said, well, she said, there's a reason for that. You you missed that flight because God wanted something for you. So I didn't think too much more of it. Got up early and got down to the airport Sunday morning and got on a flight, uh, headed west, and uh, two hours or so into the flight, I started to realize that my legs were feeling cold, I mean, noticeably cold. And uh, then I realized I was swallowing incessantly. I couldn't clear my ears. And I put two and two together, and I, I thought, you know, we've lost cabin pressure, and I think we're definitely going down. We're losing altitude. So at that, all the little doors uh, up by the reading lake dropped down and down dropped the oxygen masks. And there's only 11 of us on the plane, and we're looking around. I looked around, and people are looking at me, and we're like, uh-oh, what's going on here? So at that, the stewardess comes on in her best crisis management voice and says, uh, everyone, buckle your seatbelts. We're in trouble, and hangs up. So, <laughs> wow. All right, what do we do now? So I'm looking at this little yellow Dixie cup in front of me, and I'm uh, thinking, boy, I should have paid closer attention when when uh, the stewardess explained how to put these on in an emergency situation. So I finally get my oxygen mask on, and and at that, uh, I'm sitting there, and I thought, this isn't good. So I started started to pray, and I said, Lord, you know, if there's any way you can get us out of this, you can do it. You know, you have the control. And uh, we talked back and forth for a little bit, and I helped him out with some scenarios and, you know, how he could do it, of course. And, and uh, at that point, I thought, boy, you know, if this really is it, I'd at least like to say goodbye to my family. So I, I grabbed my cell phone, and against federal regulations, I turned it on, and I texted Angie, and, and uh, this is basically what I texted her. I saved it. Um, Oxygen drop down. Love to all, just in case. We'll keep you posted. Love you, baby. And I sent that off to her. So I uh, hung up the phone and uh, sat there for a little bit longer. And uh, then I got into some earnest prayer. And it was really pretty cool. Um, I was having this conversation with myself and God. And it was nobody else there. And we were just talking like old friends. And um, eventually a peace came over me that was really pretty spectacular and it got to the point where uh, 
I said, you know, Lord, if, if this is your will and this is it, you know, so be it. I'm okay with that. And at that point, um, the conversation continued, and I talked about, uh, I thanked him basically for, for, for my blessings, for my children, for my wife, and for you know the life that we've been able to live and that I've been able, the things that I've been able to experience. It, it really, truly has been a wonderful life. And, and I was okay if this was going to be the end. So um, eventually we got down to about 10,000 feet, and uh, the, the pilot came back on and he said, uh, the plane actually started to level out a little bit, and he, he came on and he said, you can take your oxygen masks off now. He said, uh, we've only got 20 minutes to go, and we should be at the airport. He said, uh, one thing, when we get there, don't be alarmed. You're going to see a lot of emergency vehicles. It's strictly precautionary. So uh, the last 20 minutes was, was quite a long trip although again i had that peace and you know i had this conversation going on that was i didn't even realize what was going on and it was it was just so cool and um we get to the airport and uh, you could tell we were we were definitely we were getting closer to the ground closer and closer and closer pretty soon you could see air conditioning units on the top of buildings and you could see that last freeway and then the grass and then the fence and boom there's a tarmac okay well, god you're going to pull this off man you are the best well we just about get over the runway and he powers up and off we go we don't land I'm thinking, oh, this isn't good. This is not good at all. Well, as we go over the airport, there's fire trucks and ambulance and police, and I'm thinking, oh, this isn't going to end well. So we make a big loop out, and we're coming back in again. And finally I said, I said, God, I said, there's only one thing I ask. Please don't let it hurt. So we pass the same air conditioning units on the top of buildings and then the freeway, the same freeway, and then the grass patch, and then the fence, and then uh, there's the tarmac, and this time we're not powering up, we're going in. So we're going and going and going, and I pulled my seatbelt a little tighter and braced myself, and uh, pretty soon one wheel hit, hit the ground, I said, well, that's a good sign. And the second wheel hit the ground, I thought, boy, we're on the ground, we're home free now, even if the, the front gear doesn't work, you're going to get us down, Lord, you are good. And uh, front nose touches down, and we go down the runway just like uh, any other normal landing. And at that, the emergency vehicles peel off and go off to their to their respective garages and wherever. We taxi up to the to the gate like nothing ever happened. And uh, I get off the plane and get into the terminal, and I I call my wife immediately, and I said, uh, I said, "Hun, you there?" And she's like, "Oh, hey, Bon," in her typical happy-go-lucky, loving voice, super friendly. I said, I guess you didn't get my text. She said, oh, yeah, I got it. And uh, I had texted her. When we got down to 10,000 feet, I had texted her again, and I said that uh, all okay for now. So she says, uh, yeah, I got it. She said, uh, uh, all okay for now. And I said, you didn't get my first text. And she said, well, no, I guess not. I said, good, which saved her 20 minutes of, of uh, pretty much agony, I would guess. So I explained to her what happened, and at that uh, she goes, oh, hold on, here's a text coming in. So she gets it and she reads it. And on that, we both got pretty emotional. But um, the point is, we, we got down and, and uh, everything was good. And I'm not, I don't know that if, if God has more plans for me, I suppose he does. And hopefully this is one of them, to be able to speak to you guys today. 
And uh, the, the takeaway here was uh, the power of prayer and how comforting, comforting it really was. And uh, it was just a spectacular feeling. The peace that, that came over me there was truly amazing. So, And that's what I want to leave you guys with today. Oh, actually, one more thing. Next time you're on a flight, when the stewardess is going over the emergency uh, procedures, pay attention. Have a great day. Thank you, Guy. You might feel like your life is crashing right now. You might be crashing. And we have a, a choice. We can freak out or we can talk and trust. We can talk and trust. We can pray and just trust God. And That's what faith is. That somehow you're going to bring something good out of this life that's crashing. Let's pray. Let's just take a few moments to talk to God. However, His Holy Spirit is speaking to us. Maybe there's, maybe it's about our life and what we're going through. And maybe we don't like the, the answers or the way that God is answering our prayer. And we become angry or resentful or discouraged or quit praying and, and the Spirit speaking to us about tighten the seatbelt and just trust, just keep talking to me trust me that God loves us our Father loves us and, and has it under control and is, is working on something in our life through this growing our faith through this Preparing us for heaven through this. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Let's just take some time to pray. And while we're praying, I want to speak to those who have never put their faith in Jesus yet. If that plane was going down, you wouldn't know where you'd end up. Because you never made God your heavenly father by putting your faith in Jesus. But today could be the day. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. Today can be the day that you put your faith in Jesus. That you find forgiveness. And you begin a life of faith. There's no magic prayer. You heard Barb's prayer. There's no magic prayer. But just something like, God, I... I don't want the sin anymore. The garbage anymore. I repent of that. I I turn away from that. I ask you to forgive me for every sin. Forgive me. I put my faith in your son Jesus Christ, who, who is your actual son who died on the cross for me to take my punishment in my place. I put my faith in him and I'm going to follow you God I give you my life I'm going to follow you if you've prayed that prayer or if you do pray that prayer of faith in Jesus I want to encourage you to let somebody know maybe you came with someone friend, family let me know fill out the card tell me on the way out Call me, text me, email me, anything. Let someone know so that we can 
be excited and to encourage you in your new faith. Because it's amazing what's happened. The Holy Spirit is now inside of you. And you better buckle your seatbelt because it's going to be a ride. It's going to be quite a ride. And an adventure following Jesus. Father, help us with our fears. Help us to trust you. To trust in your love. We pray that the trials... The battles that we're facing, the tribulations that we're facing, pray that they won't drive us away from you, but would drive us into your arms, into your mercy, into your grace, and that we would know your love in a much deeper way than we have ever known it before, that we would know you as our daddy, trusting you. Only your Holy Spirit can do this. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.